Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Fundamentals Podcast. It feels so good to be back. We've taken a little bit of a break from the podcast. There's been a few things that have happened. Uh, my name is Jack Proctor. Of course, I'm proud to be athletic director here at Concordia in San Antonio. And I am joined by the Reverend himself, Jeffrey Tucker, out there in Christ Lutheran in Phoenix. How you doing, Jeff? Doing great. Uh, summer night. Had our little girl, Josephine, on December 22nd. So it's been an absolute whirlwind trying to figure out how to be parents, but it's been great. And then I had COVID uh, almost immediately after that and just had my wisdom teeth removed on Monday. So it's been an A-plus kind of year so far. A-plus. At least you have your your wonderful family. Uh, True. Just kind of in, in, enjoying it all. We're so happy to have her in this world and in y'all's arms. I cannot wait to see her in person. Uh, the, the pictures and videos are, are beautiful, but I'm sure they don't even do do her uh, justice. So I can't can't. They will have to make that happen for too long. Yep, yep, for sure. But in the meantime, I guess we'll fill the time talking about something else that's pretty cool. Maybe not quite as beautiful as your as your daughter, but uh, eternally shaping. And that's uh, God's word here as we get back to the the book of Ezra. So it's been been a little bit since we've talked about it, Jeff. Uh, do you kind of want to set the stage for us before we dive in? Uh, sure. Yeah. The foundations of the temple have been laid. Um, we still have not met Ezra yet, uh, but we're going to get to kind of the construction of the rest of the temple and the opposition that the men of Israel are going to face trying to rebuild the temple. So let's do it. We'll be in the ESV translation here. Uh, let's start with the first uh, couple verses. So now uh, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Ido, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Yeshua, the son of Jehoshadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. Yeah, so a bunch of different names you should recognize. Uh, Haggai and Zechariah are, of course, prophets. And uh, Haggai's message is basically uh, his whole prophecy is about build the temple and don't despise the temple just because it's not as physically significant or imposing as the first temple or impressive. Uh, And it's all about this hopeful expectation that um, God will bring the fullness of his glory back to his temple uh, which, of course, we understand as being uh, the incarn- incarnation mm-hmm. and, and the dwelling of Jesus Christ. Uh, and then Zechariah's message is uh, prophetic hope of the Messianic king, uh, the one who's going to restore and rebuild Jerusalem after the exile. It's a, it's a calling for God's people to return to him. And then the other two names you have in here, uh, Zerubbabel and uh, Jeshua, are, they've been with us since the beginning of this book. They're uh, kind of the civic and the the cultic leader of the people. Uh, and Jeshua is the high priest. Zerubbabel is kind of that, I don't know what you would call that, uh, apart from just kind of a civil authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, they're the guys leading the charge. Yeah, great. Uh, so let's keep looking here, verses three through five. And at the same time, uh, Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, and uh, Sether Mosinai, And their associates came to them and spoke to them thus, who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish the structure? They also asked them this, what are the names of the men who are building this building? 
For the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews, and they did not stop them until the report should reach Darius, and then an answer be returned by letter concerning it. Yeah, so uh, some amount of time has gone by that Cyrus is not around and, and the memory of his decree to let the Jews return home and rebuild uh, as is not part of the cultural understanding of the Persians at this time or the governmental understanding. But you get this introduction of Tatanai, who is the, I, you would call him like a provincial governor of Judea. And he, uh, I, I guess what I take away from a section like this is these men are doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? They're doing mm-hmm. the Lord's work. They're taking his directive. They're, they're trying to honor and glorify him, uh, but they still face opposition, right? It's, and it's kind of a overarching truth that doing God's will is not an easy job. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. you won't face resistance or, or encounter difficulties. Um, but that it's also important to remember that this guy, Tatanai, uh, even though he is, oppositional in this moment he, he's just any other guy doing his job right i mean he has to report to someone else so uh it reminds me that people in positions of leadership especially governmental leadership are in a tough spot and that's why god calls us to respect our authorities um but he's just kind of doing his job right the the king is following the king's orders and and checking what's happening in the provinces because if something goes wrong there it's going to be you know, his head on a plate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But in in the ESV, verse four contains this footnote uh, that shows that uh, what's in the Septuagint, which is kind of the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And it's the first part of the the verse that says, uh, says, then we said to them, not they also asked them this. Uh, And I know that seems like a minor thing, but... what I think it means is they willingly, the difference between those two versions is the men of Israel willingly offered up the names of the men to the governmental authorities. They weren't resisting. uh, It it wasn't like they weren't hiding and doing it in secret. Uh, They just kind of owned it. They said, we we got a job to do and we're doing it. Uh, There's a transparency and a straightforwardness to it. and God has his eye on them and he's blessing their work and, and they're prospering, even though uh, we'll see in a little bit that the work halts for just a second, but they have a job to do. They know they're going to face resistance, uh, but they're not going to be underhanded about it. They're just going to do what God is directing them to do and trust that God is going to bless the work. So just a small little discrepancy in the ESV that the Septuagint clarifies, I think. Yeah, and I, and I kind of like that, too, as you mentioned, like it's not going to be unusual and it'll be very common as you're going about the work the Lord has given you to, to face some complications. But in that, they're not making it more complicated. They're not making them seem they're not making anything crazy. They are still going about the business that God has given them while, you know, willfully being ready for those questions and those challenges and not necessarily being afraid. of. Yep. And so from here, you get basically. uh the contents of the letter that this guy Tatanai is going to write to uh, Darius, the King. So verse six, verse six, this is a copy of the letter that Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river and Shelsar Mosanai and his associates, the governors who were in the province beyond the river sent to Darius, the King. 
They sent him in, uh, excuse me, they sent him a report in which was written as follows. To Darius the king, all peace be known to the king that we went to the province of Judah, to the house of the great God, uh, excuse me, to the house of the great God. It is being built with huge stones and timber and laid in the walls. This work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting letter. The fact that he calls Yahweh the great God, I, I don't know if that's like a common vernacular for Yahweh at that time in, in that region, but uh, he says the house of the great God. Just thought that was a strange thing for a pagan um, civic leader to call Yahweh. But um, And then we, we saw in a previous chapter of Ezra a letter written to the king that was like, oozing and smarmy with like trying to flatter the king to bend him to their agenda. This letter to me, and we'll see as it goes forward, uh, it just seems more straightforward. Again, just a guy doing his job reporting. Uh, and uh, he says, here's what's happening. Here's who we spoke to. And, and here's what they said. So kind of a, a, a funny little difference between uh, people who are truly bad intentioned oppositional to God's work. And then a guy who is just doing his job, who is still, it's, it's still, it faces, you know, he's still oppositional to some degree, right? He, he is, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not malicious. I don't know if Jack, if you understand kind of the difference I'm. I'm oh, for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a big difference. There's not a vendetta that this guy has against. Right. Well, he's not like aggressively trying to stop the work. Like you said, he has a job to do. So he's investigating what is really required of him uh, and, and kind of prepared to go from there. But what I think is kind of interesting about him, you know, calling Yahweh the great God there uh, as he kind of follows it up is like they're, they're building with these huge stones, these walls, like it's diligent and it's prospering. And I think that's kind of a testament to like what we get to do, you know, kind of for our God by loving his people as we're going out and doing these great works and being diligent and, and seeing uh, the fruits of our labors and, and the acts of generosity and kindness that we're, we're called to bring yep. a testament to our God. People are going to see the works of the church like that and be like, man, you really do have such a cool God that has called you and enabled you to do these kind of things. It's not about us looking awesome. And of course, uh, we can't do anything to make God better or anything, but it kind of gives him a good reputation when his people are serving him faithfully and working diligently and prospering that it, it kind of brings in that, that um, nice uplifting of, of his name. Yeah. And I think, I think there's something to be said about, you know, just do the work and, mm -hmm. and God will, God will glorify himself. Like he will, he will make sure uh, what needs to be known is known. So I think, yeah, just do the work, be faithful to the work and, and God will glorify. And, and uh, you may still face opposition, but if it's God's will, you know, it will get done. God will help you do it. Yeah. So let's, let's do this. I'll read the, the rest of the chapter and we can uh, kind of break it down. So starting verse, verse nine, going to the end, which is 17. Then we asked those elders and spoke to them thus, who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish the structure? We also asked them their names for your information that we might write down the names of their leaders. And this was their reply to us. We are the servants of God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our fathers had angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, uh, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried away the people of Babylonia. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, Cyrus, the king, made a decree that this house of God should be rebuilt. 
And the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple that was in Jerusalem and brought into the temple of Babylon, these Cyrus the king took out of the temple of Babylon, and they were delivered to one whose name was Sheshabazar, who he had made governor. And he said to them, take these vessels and go and put them in the temple that is in Jerusalem and let the house of God be rebuilt on its site. Then this Sheshabazar came and laid the foundations of the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And from that time until now, it has been in building and is not yet finished. Therefore, if it seems good to the king, let search be made in the royal archives there in Babylon to see whether a decree was issued by Cyrus, the king for rebuilding of this house of God in Jerusalem, and let the king send us his pleasure in this matter. Yeah, so uh, this is just a retelling of the history that we've already covered to this point. It's, it's going all the way back to Solomon and the disobedience and the idolatry and the breaking the covenant and then Assyria and Babylon, uh, the exile, and then right up to Ezra 1 where Cyrus makes his decree. Um, but what I, I this Shesh Bazaar comes up a number of times in this chunk of verses, and it's kind of an interesting departure from how we have talked about the story to this point uh, because of that use of the name Shesh Bazaar. Because in mm-hmm. chapters one's episode, I believe we did some speculating about the identity. Jack, I don't. I think I did that with Jamie. Yep. I don't know that you were on that one. Uh, and he's Shesh Bazar is referred to as the Prince of Judah. Here he is credited with what act? Laying the foundation. Of yeah, the, the foundation. But in chapter three, when we covered the story, it's Zerubbabel, which is the mm-hmm. names that we have come to recognize. He is, um, he is the one laying the foundation of the temple. So to me, either Zerubbabel and Sheshbazar are interchangeable names for the same person, or Sheshbazar is a figure that served in a similar role to Tatanai, right? This, this mm-hmm. governor of sorts. And he is being credited as laying the foundation since it happened during his time overseeing the province. And that's really the best sense I can make of the text because there's no, you have these two names mentioned uh, a number of times, and they seem to be operating distinctly from one another. But then you have these funny little overlaps where they're doing the same task. So my my best guess is that uh, Shesh Bazaar is different from Zerubbabel, and he is of a similar status to Tatanai. And Tatanai is relaying that he was responsible for laying the foundation, as he would have been kind of the civic leader, yeah. would have been known in Persia. I mean, that, that makes the most sense to me, uh, opposed to the same person kind of with how they talk about them a little distinctly. Um, and it would be fitting, you know, if you're kind of in charge at that time, you are credited with the work that gets done at that time, or you find a way to take credit for the work that's done at that time. Um, so, I mean, that, that would stand a reason for me. Yeah. And it, I also thought it was cool, this mention of the Royal Archives. I wish we had access to all these things, you know, to see. Yeah. The archive of when Cyrus uh, made a decree about the Jews going home to rebuild their city. It's just, it's crazy the amount of history we've lost. And yet Mm. it's crazy the amount of history that the Bible has been able to preserve. Yeah. Yeah, And and, and just the the logical nature of this letter, as you mentioned, like it's not someone on a a vendetta mission against them. It's just truly kind of fact-checking. Hey, what's going on? This is the information they've given me. Let me report it back. Yeah. Let's check the archives and then let me know, you know, is it there? Are they telling the truth? Great. Are they making it up? Then we got to act. So 
Yeah, it's it's it really is just like he recorded everything they said to him. He's like the most diligent OCD guy doing his job, takes pride in his job. He's, you know, pretty sure he had one, pretty sure he had one of those pocket protectors, you know. Yeah, right. He, <laughs> he's a guy's your classic nerd. Uh, but yeah, so he's he is right now the most pressing obstacle, but we'll see in chapter six. Uh, Darius is gonna say, All right, cool. Yeah, I found I found the archive, and then there's no more resistance from Ted and I. So mm-hmm. um, seemingly in unimportant chapter, but I do think there's a lot to be taken away about uh, the people of God should reasonably expect opposition to their work, both yeah. malicious and non-malicious. Uh, and it's just a matter of being faithful to the work and trusting that if God's calling you to do something, you can reasonably expect him to help you get it done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and stick to it. You don't have to make excuses. You don't have to it's not darkness but it's just like hey he's placed a call in my life to serve in this area and i'm going to go forward boldly and of course you know we all know we we mess things up but it's that trusting in god and the mission that he's put us on and knowing that he'll be there to multiply the efforts in ways that we can't even think about and that's like when someone comes up you know this authority which could be extremely frightening they just stay strong to actually know god has called us to do this we have this decree we're going to stand by it and, and keep diligently working on this um, which that's, that's a strong, strong spirit. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and like own the work that you do, you know what I mean? Um, be, be unapologetic about the work you do for God, I think is another thing you can take from this chapter. Uh, yeah, it's a, it, this is, it's a, it's an interesting story because we're going to get to the end of Ezra and Nehemiah. And it's going to be like, what was this all about? You know, like why, why was this included in the canon? It's, it's so anticlimactic. Uh, but all these, like just the interweaving of the history of Israel and all of this is just pointing to what we just celebrated a few weeks ago, that uh, the glory of God did come to his temple. Uh, the glory of God did come back to the people of Israel and uh, the temple was rebuilt and then destroyed and then raised up again. And, um, the King did come to his city. It's, it's just, uh, it's just a fascinating section of Israel's history that I think is worthy of our time and, uh, you know, can, can be applied to our modern context because sometimes the work we do feels anticlimactic, right? Cause you know, you do all these great things in the name of Jesus. And then it's like, man, I'd really love if he just came back right now, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to do so much work if you would just come back right now, but mm-hmm. uh, something to be said about persevering. Yeah. And the importance of yeah, what you do, just not, not walking away at the, the first obstacle, the second obstacle, the third one, but continuing to do what we need to do. And uh, again, I just like looking at the life of Jesus. I mean, he had plenty of moments when he could have just said, I don't need this. <laughs> I mean, yeah. wrongfully, this is silly. And yet, I mean, never swayed from the mission. I uh, uh, and that, that's the perfect example that we cannot live up to. Thankfully, we don't have to because we have them, uh, but it is it is the aim. So uh, that's just kind of the prayer this week is for the confidence in the mission, uh, as well as just the, the strength and the empowering that can truly come from Christ and his word and his people uh, to go out and live boldly in our different contexts he's called us to. Yeah. Amen.
It's true. Absolutely. So, Jeff, you get to continue to do that through uh, whether it's COVID or whether through its wisdom teeth or anything to continue to serve and love your family the best of your ability and love your love your congregation there. So I'll be praying for you and those endeavors. Uh, and then, of course, for anybody out there listening, please feel free to reach out to us via email. That's there in, in the description of this this podcast. We'd love to hear from anybody and uh, in, in how God is working in your life. But uh, until next time, God bless everyone. And we'll uh, see you in the next chapter.